Welcome to the Reimagine Teaching Podcast, a podcast for teachers um, about teaching and making the world of education a better place. I am here today with J.R. Horn, who has been, I was trying to think, what did we say last time, 15 years we've known each other? Yeah, forever. I'm old. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like my middle school youth pastor, um, but now a close family friend. Um, And we're here to talk about a kind of a follow-up conversation um, about staff meetings, department meetings, and how do we make those valuable for everyone involved, for all of the um, stakeholders involved. So, um, Jer, will you, first, will you talk a little bit about what you do and how you kind of came into doing this part of the work? Yeah. So, Brittany, you know, you're right. we've, We've gone back pretty far. And um, we've, uh, over the years, it's, you know, I, I, where we first got to know each other was the church that I worked at, you know, your family attended. And uh, I got to be, you know, hang out with, you know, middle school, high school students, college students, which you were one of them, and got to be able to meet you guys and have a great time. And over the years working at the church, just progressing as an adult, as a professional, you start to learn, you know, you start to learn new, new tricks, new uh new skills. And, um, one of the things that, that Brian, you mentioned, Brian, that one of the things that, um, that you know, one of the former episode that you've, uh, had with, uh, Brian Gorman, one of the things that we've, we had used there when I was working with Brian is, 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 as I try to answer the question, like, how do you determine if a meeting is actually, it is effective? Like, like, how does, how does that even work? And so over the years working with students and then, you know, leaving Wisconsin, moving back to Kentucky, um, working as a church consultant now for the last five years, I get to be able to sit in on a lot of meetings and to see what a lot of, you know, people are doing and get to be able to ask them the question, Hey, how do you determine if a meeting is successful? That's what I really get to do now. I, I get to go into professional church settings, um, as a consultant, uh, with an organization called Pioneer Bible Translators. They're based out of Dallas, Texas. And, uh, um, which I know is really weird when they're, you know, if, if you're connected to church world at all, you're like, wait a minute, you're translating the Bible. Why do they have a church consultant that goes in and consults with churches? Well, it's actually our, our, our way of fulfilling a reciprocal relationship. Um, when, when churches give of their money and give of their people so that we can translate the Bible, we don't want to just have a one-way relationship. We want it to be reciprocal. So that's where I get to come in and to be able to come back to the churches and say, hey, here's our, uh, here's our resource back. Here's our gift back to you to help you continue to grow and, and to be effective. And uh, mm-hmm. some of that, some of that time, some, some, sometimes that's walking in through a, through a church and going, hey, our staff meetings are horrible. How do we make them more productive? All right. Sit down and talk. So, yeah. Oh, and Brittany, by the way, sorry for the uh, late night DJ voice I've got going on right now. <laughs> I did that just for the podcast, by the way, just so I could uh, be able to have that. Now we, uh, I, I decided uh, I operate on the mentality that I can't complain about something if I'm not willing to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And I found myself complaining about my son's middle school football team last year, and lo and behold, there was a assistant coaching position opened up. <laughs> I am now assistant coaching of the football teams. In our first uh, flag football games were yesterday. Spring football games were yesterday, and I might have yelled. A bit more than I'd anticipated yelling. Um, That's what we're working with. Awesome. Um, So before we dive into um, the topic, we start with what is something that's bringing you joy this week? Work-related or otherwise? Well, 
Well, one, there's two things here in Kentucky. It is, um, it is, it is finally up into the upper seventies and we, we hit 80 a few times. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. You know, I'm, I kind of miss the Wisconsin snow at times, but oh man, when you can have this weather, it is amazing. Uh, and the other one is, um, my wife and I are just now, uh, starting the process of buying her a new vehicle and we're looking to join the Jeep family. Uh, oh. maybe because of certain pressures of from a certain bearded dad that you mine. have. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's Fun. sunk its, sunk its teeth in. So we're, we're starting to look for Jeeps and seeing what we can find. So that's really exciting. I like, I like new and shiny toys. Right. Um, yeah, the weather up here is great. We, today the high will be 77, which for oh. April in Wisconsin is really good. Beautiful. Um, and we're on spring break this week. So it's nice that the weather oh, got it peaked and like I spent the whole day outside yesterday watching mm-hmm. my mom paint stuff. My husband's like, were you helping? And I was like, kind of moral support. Moral, moral support. Yeah. I was there in spirit. Yeah. I'm, from, I'm good. I, I helped from my chair. Uh, no, the other thing, and it's silly, but um, anyone who is a parent or has helped through the parenting experience, I'm like fully 37 weeks pregnant today and fully nesting and so last night was in a panic because the one specific pair of pants that I wanted to wear home from the hospital when the baby comes I could (laughs) not find (laughs) and so my husband came upstairs and I had every pair of pants I own on the bed and he's like what are you looking for and I'm like I'm looking for my leggings that are baggy and he's like you have 20 pairs right not the ones I want um and so, yeah, so I did like three loads of laundry yesterday and I tore apart my closet and I still couldn't find them. And I was like, you have to look under the bed because I'm not getting on the floor to look under the bed. I can't get down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but first thing this morning, I thought to look somewhere in the basement and found them. And I was like, <laughs> we can have this kid now. I'm I know. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, and we'll talk about personality types. But for me, it's such a weird shift because I'm the oldest in my family the peacemaker the you know let's just find a solution that everyone can live with and move on and so for me to be like all night fixated on mm-hmm. a, one pair of pants is very unlike me um and i'm and i know that but it's still made me really happy yeah. to find them this morning <laughs> I, I've, I've somehow misplaced a pair of blue jeans and i don't know where they're at I, as an adult you're like you don't really leave a pair of blue jeans somewhere like like you with your pants it's like Okay, hang on. There can't be too many places where this where these pants are. It just no. they've got to be here. And uh yeah, I'm in the same boat. So uh if you feel like nesting and wanting to drive to Kentucky, <laughs> maybe you can come to my house and find right. my pair of blue jeans that are lost. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then last night I was like, it's okay. I ordered them on Amazon, I think. And then I looked and I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't order them on Amazon, so I can't reorder them. No. It was like, yeah, I didn't sleep well last night. My husband's like, was it because of the pants? I'm like, I don't yeah. think so. I hope not. Too um, funny. But yeah, all the little, you know, not worried about the baby coming safely. I'm just worried about finding the right pants to put in my hospital bag because that's yep. important right now. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about effective meetings. So, Brian Gorman and I did an episode and he walked through um, kind of the process that like you had given him most of the credit, but the, you, the two of you had worked on together mm-hmm. um, of how do we make meetings um, more effective for everybody? Yeah. Um, 
what like how has that process worked for you like how do you put that i'm trying to think it was like um starting and ending on time mm -hmm. um i think it was starting and ending on time there's um did we talk about the right things the right way yeah um he talked about prioritizing yep, and so, prioritizing, oh, so this was rank it Yep, I did this episode with Brian Gorman, and I talked to my husband, who's um, a CFO of his company, the chief financial officer. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, he was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much a system we use. Um, and so he actually genuinely enjoys going to leadership meetings at his job. Oh, man. That's because, a yeah, because he's like, yeah, we, you know, we have a hit list. And so we come and we sit down. And the first thing they do is everyone... Um, Gets to, and that was something Brian talked about. Everyone gets to share. I forgot what he calls it. It's like their high of the week, um, whether it's you know work related or not. It's so similar to how we do on the podcast. And my husbands are usually silly. Like this video game came out this weekend or whatever. Right. Um, and then they kind of you know what is on everyone's mind, and they put it on in a you know a big list, and then they prioritize right. it from there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so those kinds of things. Um, is what Brian had talked about a lot of, you know, having everything out there, but then also knowing we don't have to hit everything. Um, for my husband, it looks like, you know, prioritizing things. And then once a year, they do a huge like two day retreat, the whole leadership team. And their goal is just to get through as many things on their hit list as possible. And so it's a good like two-day retreat if they can get over 10 things off the list because <laughs> right. um, some of them are really big chronic you know how do we grow the company kinds of things right. and some are so like you know minute and um not important but it just stays on the list forever you know we need to schedule people to come in and paint the building sure um and so they yeah he really appreciates that process and it's very similar it sounds like to what you and brian have were working on um and they do they have a consultant that comes in and helps them work through it too so but what how does that how has that um like been helpful for you and the churches that you're working with well it's been helpful because it's actually a, a framework there there's there's a template there is at least um a guide that that, that someone could just take and run uh it's a you know, the things that Brian was talking about, you know, starting ending on time, the prioritizing, that we're talking about the right things the right way, everyone contributes and we rank in the meeting or a variation of some of that stuff is is at least a, a template that, that someone could take and grab and with very little training. We're, we're talking, you know, five minutes or less could actually walk through and hold a meeting in this, in this, in this manner. So that's been that's been a, a joy when you walk into a church and you look at a, whether it's a lead minister who generally leads staff meetings for churches. Um, sometimes a, uh, maybe a medium size to a larger church, it could be an executive minister. And then if, you know, if you have a mega church or anybody that's any church that's above, you know, probably a thousand, you're probably not having a church wide staff meeting every week. Um, and you're, you're probably doing that maybe, maybe once a month. So you're doing a lot of departmental meetings, a lot of subgroup meetings, you know, like with your husband, the CFO, he's not meeting with, you know, maybe the individual, you know, financial associates, you know, he may be meeting with department, you know, the individual 
department heads in the finance department or the, or the, or the team heads, team leads, and then they meet with, you know, on down. To be able to actually have a framework that doesn't require a, um, a specific degree, an MBA, uh, a higher, you know, a higher ranking or understanding of some sort of, you know, massive, uh, you know, individual process, engineering process, you, you can actually take it and equip someone to actually try it out and work it. Um, this is something that I, I was able to do with uh, a former colleague of mine who was, um, who, who was a, a minister who turned into a uh, overseas worker. Um, they go overseas to work um, in, in some form or fashion with um, in a different country. And then they, they, you know, they come back. Well, a lot of times when they come back to the States that, you know, when you look at their resume and when they try to get a job, anything outside of ministry is going to be extremely tough for them to be able to, to be able to find themselves a place of employment because they've only got ministry experience. Right. And so I was talking with them and they were, and they're basically saying the same thing. Hey, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to lead a team of people, especially in this U S context where people walk in, we have a staff meeting. We're all expected to be there on time and we're expected it to be productive. We're supposed to talk about some stuff and we've, you know, got, that's, that's one of the main catalysts for us meeting our goals. How do I do this? So I gave them these five things. I'm like, okay, walk, just, just walk through this. And I said, all you really need is if you have a whiteboard, that'd be awesome because you can use, you can use that to capture notes. If not some big 3M sticky notes. And Honestly, within a month, um, he came back and said, this is revolutionized what we do in staff meetings. We don't do it the way we do it anymore. This is the way we do it. And we're getting so much done. And our team feels as if, as if uh, we're all pulling the weight. Like we're like, like I'm, I'm being heard. Like even some mm-hmm. of the quieter teammates feel like that they've, that they are heard because of one of the specific expectations of everybody contributing. So yeah, yeah. it's been, it's been an amazing tool just to be able to hand out and go, Hey, Try this. Try this. It, it's super simple. It doesn't have to be something crazy. It doesn't have to be something, you know, where you use a lot of tech. No, this can all be this. This this format can be held in your meeting without any tech at all. Um, and, and you will find much more uh, worthwhile meetings if you run them with some sort of strategy. And especially this one, than 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 you ever would have with any other strategy you've had. So. Yeah. One of the things Brian said, which I thought was really cool and similar to you, when you're working with a huge organization, you know, doing this, this template in a, you know, a small, there's five or six people make sense. You know, everyone can vote on priorities and all that. It it feels more manageable. Um, But Brian was saying, you know, if this is something that, you know, a school staff meeting could run this way, Mm -hmm. he was like, one, the buy-in for teachers to know when I show up, we're going to be talking about something that, you know, even if it wasn't what was the highest priority for me, I know it's a priority for my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, you know, even if, you know, our principal can't attend every department meeting, but they know then how they're being run. Right. And so when it's, you know, well, how are you guys using your department meeting time? We're doing the same thing you guys are doing in the staff meeting. This is what we did. This is what we had prioritized and these are the outcomes. Um, just that consistency across an organization is so helpful. One of the things that I know is common, and I know you too, you know as well, is meetings that could have been emails. Mm, <laughs> so painful. Um, and that's, I mean, pretty much every staff meeting that most, oh, most every staff meeting, because there's, again, you know, we've got what, a hundred, almost a hundred staff at our building. Um mm-hmm. 
you know, is just a sit and get announcements kind of thing. But if it, you know, if we could say, hey, here's the topics, we'll send you details about all of them. Which of these do you want to hear directly from us and discuss? Um, and so we could say, so our last staff meeting, um, genuinely and honestly, was part of it, I think was about end of the school year and budget stuff, um, which is something that we have to hear directly from our principal. Right. Um, and then the other part of it was about school safety, because um, there yeah. had just been another school shooting or two. Um, and so teachers had expressed concern to him about what does this look like in our building? Um, and so he really, you know, wanted to go through some of the details of, you know, what the safety procedures are in our building, um, which I really appreciated. But also, I forget because it's not a formalized system that I could email my principal and say, hey, can we talk about X issue? Sure. Um, and so he said, he was like, yeah, a lot of people reached out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is a possibility. But because it's not a formalized, like, here's things that were brought up. What's a priority right. for you? It totally slips my mind that I could reach out and say, it's really important we talk about this. Whereas I think when you have a, a framework that's formalized to say, all the things going on at our high school, what's the top three things you want us to address in our staff, next staff meeting? Um, and if it's different, you know, mine is probably completely different than JR's. But at least right. then I feel like I had input, um, I think would help, you know, right now it's just, yeah, let me show up and sit for an hour and listen to whatever announcements, whoever thought right. was most important. Right. Exactly. No, I'm with you. Yeah. That's the hard part is we all sat there and went, oh man, this is just information transfer. Um, the key part, one of the key parts about this, this this idea, this framework, you know, that, that Brian and I've, you know, worked through is, is that there's a couple, there's a couple parameters that have to be met in order for, in order for information to be shared. One of those parameters is in this meeting, it just, the, the information is only shared and it, it, information is only shared or a topic is brought up if there is a decision needed from the team. Mm. Now, in the case of your principal, right? There's going to be times where, you know, he or she is going to have to have just mic time to transfer information. And sometimes, yes, an email, it could have been an email is works, but some information is required, uh, requires a, a knowledge or a working knowledge that you receive that information. And so sometimes, you know, if you don't have read, you know, read receipts on your emails or whatever, sometimes you do have to just sit there and listen because I am required. She's required. He's required by law, by the superintendent, by the board to, right. you know, physically speak this information to you. And so sometimes it's, yeah, you just got to sit and listen. But yeah. if you're in your department meeting, you're in your staff meeting, generally for something to um, be put in uh, for consideration for a topic, right? It it has to have uh, the, the it has to show the need for a decision from the team, right? So that's that's what that, that's what keeps a lot of individual just um, you know pet conversations or someone just you know wanting just to be able to just hog the entire meeting time because well I've got I'm, I'm I think this is important I it, it has to be important for you and you and we need to do it when really it's it's not I mean you know I, it may not be important to everyone. 
Um, But it's extremely important to you and your department, but it may not be important to everyone. That's one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest quantifying factors is, is that, that we only share information or we only bring up topics here in this meeting if, if a decision is needed from the team. Right. So it takes time. Like it's going to take time when you put this in place for your, your teammates to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my, one of my, some of uh, my former coworkers, we, we put this in with our staff meeting and it took a long time for a couple newer staff members to understand what, a, you know, what areas were, what areas did this person need a decision from the team and what areas and what questions did this person need answered just, just by the boss. Right. Yeah. And so for several staff meetings, we're going into this and it's like, okay, um, all of this is information that I don't really need to speak into, or I don't have the authority to right. speak into, you know, so the boss is like having one-on-one conversations, making decisions, and we're checking stuff off our board, but it, you know, it's not going to be, it's not conducive of a, of a staff meeting or team meeting. Right. And so it takes, it takes time, but that's one of the biggest ones. Whenever you're trying to, you know, broach the, 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 the fear of, well, this is just going to turn into an info sharing session. If we run this and run this correctly, then that means the the information shared or uh, the topic that's brought up is something where uh, that topic needs a decision from the entire team. Like we need the entire team to weigh in on that on that topic, so that either the team can make the decision or the person bringing that up can make can make the decision and move forward. So yeah, I, you know, um, email or uh, meetings meetings that should be emails are <laughs> really painful, and this yeah. is one way to stop all that. In education, in our, like in the school setting, the only other, the only caveat I can think of to that is that there are things that have to be said that we don't want in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes those things come up at our meetings. Of, it's not a decision <laughs> like to be made. Right, right, right. It's not a decision uh, to yeah. be made, but also I don't want to be quoted on this later. Um and thinking of, you know, staff meetings, that's part of the reason why our, our principal brings up budget stuff in staff meetings. He doesn't ever want to be quoted saying, you know, we're not cutting jobs because that's really not his place to say. Yeah, you know, may not have the authority. Right. If the superintendent came down and said, you know, we're cutting half the staff, we, he can't do anything. But he can say, at this point, I've been told... But if he puts it in writing, then it becomes complicated. And so, and same with our department meetings, there's stuff where, you know, when we talk about student issues um, to say, eh, we don't really want that in writing. All of our emails are owned by the district, um, right. but we need to share information amongst us that, yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, if it's, you know, not a decision to be made just a couple of weeks ago, our meeting was like, there was something on our agenda and it was about getting some paperwork done. And it was like, Okay, well, what about it? I was like, it's on my, the pro, the website we used ended up on my to-do list. And I was the only one who had access to it anyway. So I was like, well, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay, that's a decision made. Like, but you don't have to talk about it again. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, I texted and was like, all right, that job got done. Well, do we need to talk about it? And I was like, why? There's not a decision. It's done. I literally submitted the forms and can't take them back. So I don't know what we have to meet about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and not that I don't want to meet with my team, but I was like, why would we there's nothing to do with yeah. that stuff now? Right. So, exactly. One of the discussions that we had had, and I think is really important, um, when talking about running meetings, 
is who decides if the meeting is productive or not. Mm. And you and I talked quite a bit, and I know you and my dad and Brian love to talk about personality types. Mm -hmm. Um, And sadly, no, not sadly, I think it's really cool. We get to work with people who are different than us. Um, But that makes meetings complicated because (laughs) everyone is different. Um, Right. And I think for, for me as a, I can't even be called a new teacher anymore. Um, But as a teacher who I have not had much leadership opportunities um, and are, I mean, I have a master's degree, but all of my education and training has been about teaching students. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I go then into meetings with other adults, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Um, And they also don't know how to do this. Um, And and when I was talking to Brian, I told him like, our right now our department does not have a department chair. Right. So no one is running the meeting. So there is no one to say, this is how the meeting's gonna run. So then at that point, yeah, who gets to decide or how do you, um, I guess like, how do you determine if a meeting's productive when you have so many different possible people in your group? Right, so that's, there's actually there's many different answers to that in my mind, but I'm gonna I'm gonna approach it from two ways. One, there's there's two ways of doing it. Uh, the easiest way is as a group, you decide you you sit down and you put parameters as to what does a productive meeting look like for us, right? So there's there's got to be some sort of um, there's, there's got to be some sort of quantifying metric or some sort of measurable some sort of scorecard that says if we're doing if we're doing well right i don't want to get lost in the whole are we are we winning are we succeeding i don't want to do that right because that tends to turn off a lot of other personalities and we'll talk to those in in a second but but i like to come at it from a sense of health you know i'm a i'm i'm not a new i'm not a teacher at all i'm not a new human being i turned 40 this year Brittany, (laughs) and uh i've got i've got the I've got the glitter growing in my beard to prove mm. it now. So I would just wish it would even itself out on the other side. It'd be <laughs> nice instead of the, the mini skunk stripe I got going. But there's there's got to be a way of determining the health. And yeah. and 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 really that that is what determines the success. It's it's not so much how much ground you cover, it's not um, you know, how awesome an event was or how much fun did everybody had? Did everybody feel included? Was everything prioritized? It's really, it's really, a, it's really a system and a structure of health. We want to be healthy. We want to focus on health so that we can, we can continue to operate at a, at an optimal level. You know, there's a, there's a quote, um, I've heard someone say, it's been said before that, uh, that healthy things grow. And so therefore we try to, you know, we want to make sure we're healthy because healthy things grow. Well, the last time I checked, cancer grows too. It's not healthy. Matter of fact, cancer grows at a, such a rapid pace that the body can't put up with it, which is why it's, why it's, a, it's a cancer. And we right. have to kill it because your body's growing in a, in a non-optimal, non-healthy way. So we're not going to talk about going, to, hey, we got to get healthy so we can grow or be successful. No, we just need to focus on prior. We need to focus on prioritizing health. Um, because health is a success marker, right? Mm-hmm. And I say that because now that I'm 40, I'm, I'm older now. It is weird being the same age as old people now. When mm-hmm. I was uh, young, I, mean, I really thought, you know, man, 40 years old, good night. You got one foot in the grave and the other one's getting dirty. It's like, oh. <laughs> so 
me and the doctor are now having conversations about the numbers that come out on my blood tests, right? Because yeah. I'm getting old. I got to watch these numbers now, you know, can't do like what I've done. So he, they draw some blood out of your arm. They run it through a little spinning machine. All of a sudden it prints out a long piece of paper and it's got numbers on it, right? And then they sit there and look at it and say, hey, you know, this number's great. Keep up doing what you're doing there. Oh, that number's too low. Start doing this. Hey, that number's too high. Hey, pull, pull back on some of these things. And, and the doctor starts to give you uh, ways to improve your health based off of the, the, the health markers that came out of your blood, right? Well, it's the same thing for the meeting. It's the same thing when it comes to our meetings. We have to establish what does that healthy line on that paper, what do the healthy numbers look like from our blood test? What does it look like that for our meeting? How does the, what does the markers of health look like for our meeting? So you can... You can go about, there's two ways to determine that. One, as a, as a group, as a team, you sit back and you figure out what that, what that looks like. What, how do we determine that? And so Brian and I, we, we've, we've determined those, five, those, five, those four or five things. Start and end on time, prioritize everything. We talk about the right things the right way. Um, everyone contributes and we rank the meeting at the end. Like, that's our five. That's the five that we've used. That's the five that we've um, um, used on, on a most regular basis and given away. We've, we, we've got up to six. We've, we've paired it down to four at times, but it really just kind of revolves around those, those five ideas. So that's what we've done for that. Now, the second way of doing, figuring out is a meeting productive or not is actually leaving it up to the individual, which is really not the healthiest way of doing it. This is really the only two ways of doing it. Uh, either a team or someone sits down and says, these are the markers that we have for success. Or when there's none in place, it's left up to the individual. Now, you mentioned the idea of personalities and different personality types, and you're the type that would do this, right? You, you just said, I'm the type that wants to make sure that, that you know, that we maintain homeostasis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, every time I remember homeostasis, I'm going to date, date myself here. Every time I remember homeostasis, I remember back to a fantastic Polly Shore movie um, called, called, called Biodome. It's a wonderful cult classic that should be so much more viewed than what it is today. <laughs> and one of the things that they're trying to do, they've wrecked this biodome, this this perfectly 100% homeostatic, you know, place. They've wrecked it. Now they're trying to get it back to 100% homeostasis. So they need to make a filter. So they're picking up all of the used cigarette butts and putting them together to make a filter so they can maintain homeostasis. It's wonderful. Love it. So. When you sit when you sit back and you look as an individual and you're left to determine it was this meeting successful or not, that's when you start to have your problems because there's really four types of four types of people in the room. Um, there's so many personality studies. I mean, you know, Brittany, we were talking about the, you know, how you're how you're nesting, but you really want to make sure everything's even keel. And I'm really freaking out over this pair of pants, you know, that right. you know, <laughs> you know, you've you've got you've got what Gary Smalley says in his personality test. You, you, you've got a golden retriever personality. Like I, right. I want everybody to great, get along. I'm a great companion dog. I'm the dog that comes to the hospital and makes everyone smile and, and forget that they're dying. Right. I mean, right. It, it is this dog. It's, it's Bonnie. I mean, right. I've, I'm gone for months at a time. And I come home, I come back to your, your dad's house and Bonnie's there in the driveway, just talking up a storm, waiting for me to come pet her because everything is right now, right? Right. You know, but then you're looking for this one particular pair of pants and I've got to find it. You rip the house off to, to be able to find it. That's, you know, that's, an, that's a marker of un, unhealth, right? right. <laughs> um, it, it's a marker of, hey, something's not right here, but you're also about to pop a baby out. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those things happen. So Gary Smalley really has four main 
personality types or four people in the room is what we've kind of called it before. And there's a tons of other ways you can do uh, personality studies to figure out, you know, how you think and why you do what you do. You got the disc profile, you've got, um, <clears throat> you've got the, uh, what's the popular one now? The Enneagram. Mm -hmm. the Enneagram is super, super popular. Um, but I, it really is a great starting point as a rudimentary, as a way of just being able to look at the room and kind of assess who's in the room with me. Gary Smalley is the best. He's the best one. So he lists them all as animals. They are, they're the lion, the otter, the beaver, and the golden retriever, which, you know, we talked about you being the golden retriever. Now, the lion is the one that's, you know, the super alpha, got to get things done, got to, you know, got to kill and devour, don't care about anybody else, just got to get these things, we got to get stuff done, right? Then you have the otter, which is the playful one, you know, the, the river otter that wants to play and does, you know, not, not really taking time to make sure that we've got a, uh, a place to, you know, a safe place to sleep or out of the elements and wants to play with everybody. That's the otter, the playful one, right? That's me. That would be, that would characterize my, you know, personality type. Mm -hmm. So you got the lion, you got the otter, then you got the beaver. The beaver is the methodical one. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't get to three unless you go for, through one and two first. Uh, you just, you just don't jump two spaces uh, because that's what you do. Um, that they're the, they're the one that, 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 you know, arrive on lists and mm -hmm. uh, checking off tasks. Um, they're the one that, that, that everything's in its place. Everything is in order. All of their books are either, there have some sort of filing system for their books. Most likely it's going to be by color, um, just, just because it's pleasing and aesthetic. Unless they're, unless they have a different combination, like of a lion uh, with them as well. They may, you know, they're going to organize them by like topics so they can grab it and get my information so I can prove to you I'm wrong, right? And then you got the golden retriever who, who we've already said is just the playful, the, is the one that wants to care for everyone. That wants someone mm -hmm. make sure everything's, everything's at peace. And when you leave the question of how do you determine if this meeting is successful or not up to the individual, we can only judge success on how we are made, like our composition, um, right. how the juices flow through our brain and how we hear information and how we communicate it. We can only determine if it was successful that way. So for the lion, if we didn't devour anything, if we didn't make major decisions and move, you know, move projects forward and, and make leaps and bounds toward, you know, these big end goals or the, uh, you know, toward big sales quotas or whatever, then they're going to term it as a complete failure. I would say we, um, I'm also on my church leadership team. We just had to make a huge um, decision in our last uh, leadership meeting about church budget stuff. And yeah, yeah, so there's people in that meeting who, I mean, that's a huge, I mean, you're talking about money people gave you. That's a huge yeah. responsibility. It's a big topic. And so there's people who are like, you know, we got to set a number tonight. Um, and we were able, we were able to, and we succeeded. But for me as a golden retriever, I walked out of the meeting, I came home, my husband asked how it went. I was like, man, that was a tense meeting. Because people disagreed. Right. And yeah. I'm a golden retriever. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, we made a decision and there was going to be conflict. And I knew that going in. But my initial outcome was, wow, that was uncomfortable. Or my initial response was, wow, that was uncomfortable. Because we didn't all get along the whole time. Right. Of course, you're not going to get along. Money, nobody ever agrees 100% on money. Right. Um, and it was still really, you know, the meeting was great and we had an outcome. And But when you talk about, yeah, lion versus golden retriever of like, oh man, yeah, so but some people raise their voices. Other. And so that <laughs> felt not comfortable to me. 
Yeah, it's it's tough when you leave it up to the individual. They have to they have to they have to view success through the lens that they've that that of the glasses they're wearing, and you yeah. can't you can't change your glasses. Um, now, you know, your your trauma in your life, the baggage, what you what you bring, your hurts, your habits, your hangups, they they tend to tint your glasses one way or the other. Um, sometimes positively right? Uh, you're going through trauma and then someone using that to go into the counseling psychology field, right? Um, but also sometimes negatively thinking that you're a different, um, actually a different animal or you're a different, you know, you know, personality breed. I, I got a guy I'm coaching right now. He's a fantastic guy. He's a fantastic leader. Um, took him through a little bit of an assessment. He says, nope, I'm this type right here. And I turned my card around and I slid it to him. And I said, I filled this out uh, based off our phone call like two weeks ago, not, not, not during this assessment. And it was completely different. It, it was not even, mm -hmm. it wasn't right. So because of some of that, you know, past experiences, some of those uh, safeguards or uh, boundaries in order to not experience that trauma again can oftentimes mask itself as, as a different personality. Right. right. And uh, well, and for, we'll and, you, and you know, my family well out, Almost everyone in my family is a beaver or beaver like. Yeah. We, I mean, my, our house thrived on, had to thrive on routine and lists and clear expectations and communication. And so and now as a teacher, people are like, oh my gosh, you're so organized. I'm doing sub plans now for my maternity leave. And I have <laughs> a whole Google folder with subfolders and everything is. Um, hyperlinked and organized and if you need anything you can find it in three different spots um, and that's very much because that's the house I grew up in where you know yeah. we all had to be on the same page and had to be organized so yeah. I'm great at doing that um, and then you come to my house and realize that there's a very very likely chance I'm going to lose a pair of pants because <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not a priority in my own home. Um, <laughs> and I'm only going to, and I'm only going to find them when I'm 37 weeks pregnant. So. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. My husband's mom came over the other day to help with some prep stuff. And he was like, I guess I should do the dishes before my mom comes over, but it wasn't a priority for us until we knew it would nope. stress his mom out. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, mm -hmm. But knowing, and that's part of the golden retriever thing too, of like, if it's going to help other people, then I'll make a list and be really organized. If it's just for me, man, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's something, you know, people have been like, oh my gosh, you're so organized. And I'm like, not innately. That's just because that's how I was raised was we had to be on top of stuff. Someone had to be, and I was the oldest. Right. So. <laughs> kind of falls to you. But yeah, if that's the two ways to determine success really is yeah. as a team, do we care about this enough to set down parameters and rules to go ahead and develop what that looks like? Or are we just going to, just kind of leave it as a crapshoot and leave it up to the individual. And that's when you find burnout. That's when you find dissent. Yeah. That's when you find lack, uh, not just a lack of trust, but a, you know, active loss of trust. And well, and that's not, not good. You know, when you have, yeah, when you don't have the clear parameters. So this year, because we had this conversation, you and I talked earlier in January or February, and then Brian and I talked. And now I'm like, I'm not going to be at school for the last you know, six weeks. Sure. Um, and so now kind of just looking towards next year, but when you leave it up to the individual, then that, that group time isn't really, doesn't have to be a priority. Um, because the person who, you know, has a checklist of things to do, which is how I often am at work. I don't, nothing on my checklist requires input for, from you guys. So why would we meet today? Right. 
um, you know, one of my coworkers is totally an otter. She, and we talk, and the word in Spanish is chisme, which is like gossip. And so, you know, she wants to spend, we are staff meet or our department meeting time is the end of the day Friday, which I think is the worst time to ask people to meet and oh my goodness, <laughs> work on stuff at the end of a work Good week. Luck. Right. <laughs> you got an hour and a half to, you know, before your weekend, go ahead and be productive. Um, my coworker, you know, is an otter. She wants to, you know, chat and relax and catch up socially. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also because we are out early, like the kids get out early that day. That's when a lot of our students can stay after school. So she has kids stay after school with her and chat and work on stuff. Um, but then we, it makes it hard to have a department meeting. If I have a to-do list that doesn't require input from anybody, mm-hmm. and she just wants to visit and chat and, you know, work with students. Um, that lack of, you know, parameters. Yeah. When we each, to decide the best way to spend our friday afternoon it's not even together usually (laughs) if she's an otter then in her mind she's already on the weekend because i'm i'm an otter i know exactly what my frame of mind would be that's probably why she's so excited to be there in the chat she's probably bubbly she's got some energy she wants to have gizmo time this is great because in in her mind she's already at the bar with the margarita because the work day is over Right. Oh my goodness. Oh, and yeah. I'm That's... yeah, and I'm like, here's what had to be done before I can go home and enjoy my weekend. And, and then so... it, when it doesn't get done, that weekend is tainted. There's a part yeah. of there's a part of Friday night, potentially sun, Saturday morning, that mentally, emotionally, you're going to have to work through because, uh, I, you know, I kind of feel like the pressures of we got to get something done and we didn't get yeah. anything done. And oh my goodness, this is now three weeks in a row now. Yeah, that's right. tough. I have to bring papers home to grade now. Yeah, it didn't get done while I was at school. Yeah. Um, but Brittany, think about it. How, how loving and how caring could, could a team be or a team leader be for their entire team just to go ahead and decide all this for them and to have these super simple, uh, just things in place. You know, it's not, no one's required to bring a two page paper. No one's required to do studying or to have, you know, uh, um, you know, furthering education to be able to, you know, to, to be a part of this meeting or to bring up things. No one's got to use this, a, a particular, um, you know, uh, vernacular or even the same language. I mean, you just mentioned Spanish. I mean, someone right. can sit in there and speak, speak Spanish. And as long as someone can understand what they're saying, they're contributing. They're good. Yeah. You know, and, and, to, and when, when everyone contributes, doesn't mean that you've got to weigh in on every topic. It's just that did you, contribute to the meeting did you when 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 uh an opinion was asked or when a decision was asked to be made did you make that did you aid in making that decision were you a part of it when when we ranked the meeting did you actually rank it you know were you there focused and attentive which is one of the problems with the otters we only want to talk about ourselves and we want to talk about the things that are fun and if it's not fun we distract ourselves and we go do something else so, but how, how, how caring, how loving, how thoughtful uh, it could it be that if a team or someone sat down and said, Hey, this is what we're going to function on is these yeah. five things. So that when I'm not here, you don't need me. Right. We're good. And then when you walk in, Brittany, you can look at that other person, you know, who really wants that cheese mo time to say, Hey, We've got to rank this uh, meeting uh, from one to 10 or one to five when we're done of how, how well we followed these five things. Um, 
your 30 minutes of cheese time has made our 45 minute meeting uh, have a rank of three because it's yeah. going to be real bad. So right. let's get going. And that usually, you know, it, that speaks to the otter. We get it over time. Yeah. Just it'll take time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think as far as, you know, being in a school setting, that's one of the things that I think has been is really interesting to me is we know what it looks like as teachers to um, set expectations and um, communicate those expectations and reinforce yeah. them and repeat them. Yeah. And then we go to a department meeting and everything's up. Like we forget, <laughs> like if that's important for our students, it's also important for adults. Like absolutely, this is the expectation. And, you know, and I think part of when I talked to Brian about it, you know, part of being a teacher is like, well, I don't have to grade a meeting, you know, how uncomfortable I grade all week. But mm -hmm. we also understand meeting criteria. That's all we do all the time is judging mm -hmm. if things meet criteria or not. And we understand you know, the importance of having an expectation of, you know, we tell our students, you have to be on time. We're yep. starting class. If you're not on time, you know, in our building, they get uh, lunch attention. And I have kids who will stand, you know, 20 feet from my door and they're like, you could see me. Yeah, you were in my room. Like, that's the expectation. Yeah. If I'm 37 weeks pregnant and can be here, you can be yep. here. <laughs> yep. um, and and we we get that when it comes to working with students. But I think part of it is because of the lack of training or even discussion about communicating with other adults, we like forget that that is also really compassionate to adults to have clear expectations. Yep. Because um, without, you know, then I'm frustrated that we haven't had an, a meeting in four weeks because, you know, nobody yep. thought we needed to talk about stuff, but then we missed a deadline or, you know, something came up and, oh, shoot, we should have done that. And, you know, my coworker who spends, you know, her Friday, she's already thinking she's on the weekend. She yep. comes in Monday and she's like, oh, shoot. Why yeah, I guess we should have met on Friday. Yep. Been there. <laughs> Something didn't get done. Yep. You know. Communicating, the, the clarity in communication is actually being so clear with your communication and actually working on communication skills will actually revolutionize any meeting that you ever have, period. Yeah. Now, the hard part is, is that, you actually got to sit down and study that stuff. And it's, you know, unless you're super like excited about it, like someone like me or Brian, you know, like, you know, you, maybe you as a teacher, it, it's just not gonna, it, it's just, it's just going to bore you to tears, but, but it's the outcome. It's what happens when you utilize yeah. those teachings that it's, it's fantastic. I mean, how many times have you sat down with your husband and you're, you're all are in an, in an argument and he all of a sudden repeats back what you said. And you look at him and go, I didn't say that at all. That's not what I said. And he goes, no, you said, da, 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 da. and you're like, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said this, and you, you know, you told me the sky is green. I looked up and it's blue. No, I told you the sky was not red. Yeah, it's green, but I didn't <laughs> right. say that it was. It's, it's, it's the communication part because when you speak out of your mouth, you think you're communicating, which is not what takes place. Yeah. Um, actually, communication is what your husband did in that moment. He determined what you were communicating to him. Right. And that's so many times, so many arguments, so many, whatever is, is it really comes back to, did we care enough about our people to communicate in such a way that they would know exactly what we are trying to say or exactly what we need? Same thing with meetings. Do we care about our students? Do we care about our teammates, our coworkers, our principal, our administrative staff? Do we care about them to a level that we're willing 
to put down parameters so that we know that we are being effective? Can we communicate to each other uh, the goal or the task of creating some sort of parameters to put on our meetings so that we can be effective and putting those down and or, or having them given to you is such an act of compassion because you've got you've 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 got a target you've got an end zone you got a bullseye now you just got to be able to get there in the most efficient way possible that's it yeah glennon doyle says clear is kind not yes. easy <laughs> not comfortable not <laughs> simple but it is the most kind thing and compassionate thing you can do to be clear with people yes. um <laughs> i did that with my kid this morning i've got a special needs child he's He's seven years old. He's in first grade and has a really, really hard time with doing anything that he just doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, so for some time now, going to school has been a problem. Like it's, <laughs> just, I don't want to go to school. Okay. Why? I get headaches there. I, you know, I can't judge. I can't t- say if he does or doesn't get a headache, maybe to him, what he's feeling is a headache, you know, and maybe right. that headache is, you know, just the constant thoughts of, I just don't want to be here or I'm not getting what I want. Right. It doesn't have to be a physical pain. It's right. just something in his head isn't right. And that's a headache to him because that's what he can, that's what he can verbalize. Now we had a conversation this morning as you know, I, I, that's why I was late to get on here to re- record because <laughs> we were having some clarity and kindness moments of being very clear what the consequences were if you don't go to school. And right. one of the things, one of the things that he wanted clarification on was there was a certain consequence that was going to happen multiple times. And he's like, well, I want to know how many times I'm like, I've, so I first started off by going, no, you're not the parent. You don't get to determine how many times <laughs> and I'm the parent. I really don't have to tell you. Right. Well, I, I, I want to know so I can make my decision. No, you've got <laughs> enough to make your decision. And then, so then after a few moments, I realized, okay, I'm up against a brick wall here. I need to be able to communicate clearer. So I said, okay, it's going to, this is, this is the amount. This is the frequency. And that changed everything. He was like, um, I'll go to school now. Like, really? Th- this this is all we this is all I had to do was to communicate so clear that you can make your decision. Okay. And, and you know, it's just one of those moments where you're like, dude, you know this stuff. Like you teach this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try to carry it out with an obstinate seven-year-old. It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, yeah it really is just the clarity and in what we needed to do. And that's how I feel as I still feel like a new teacher sometimes because I'm the youngest in my department. Um, Also the huge, they talk about teacher shortage. There's also an issue of typically your first year teaching, you are on a letter um, because you don't have your official teaching license until you Mm -hmm. finish teaching a year or two. When you're on a letter, if there's budget cuts, um, you have no matter what, when you're on a letter, you have to reapply for your job. Right. If there's budget cuts, those positions are the first to be cut. Because technically they can say they're not laying anybody off because your job True. wasn't promised to you. So um, I'm still one of the youngest teachers in my building because all of the new first and second year teachers with the last couple of years of budget cuts have not been asked back. Hmm. Um, so then that comes in when we're trying to like have meetings and stuff. I still feel like the little kid who's like, yeah, so can you like give me a specific number? My coworker's like, it'll just be, you know, what happens? And I'm like, oh, okay. Am I just not experienced enough that I, my ex, is my expectation wrong because I'm mm-hmm. not as experienced as my coworkers? Um, and that's been a challenge for me. I mean, 
I'm in my seventh year teaching and that's been a challenge the whole time of like doubting my own, you know, needs and expectations just because I feel like I'm younger than, I mean, I don't feel like I am younger than everyone and I feel less experienced. Um, And so that plays a part for me too, of like, I don't want to push and be like, no man, our meetings are trash. (laughs) Um, Because my coworkers don't agree. So maybe it must be me that's wrong. Um, Which is one of the reasons why this podcast has been so helpful to talk to other people outside of my own little school building and be like, okay, there's, yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm on the right track. (laughs) But yeah, but the experience gap for me and the age gap has been really uncomfortable and hard to wrestle with as well. It's Um, tough, but if you, if you continually, if you continually see yourself as, as, as the new teacher, I don't see that as a bad thing. Oftentimes, you know, new, new, new teachers are, you know, still hungry to learn, still hungry to, I know I need more experience. I know I'm not doing this, you know, in the, you know, I'm not doing this as a 10 out of 10. And I know I need to work on doing that. So being able to continue that mindset is going to be key to continue to grow and to thrive and to continue to see that, you know, you're not getting a pink slip and um, uh, you're not getting a pink slip and you're still working. So I don't know. It's not a bad thing. Harness that. Keep it up. Thanks. All right. So last thing, we always talk about next steps. So either individually or um, like systemically, what is the one or two things we can take away from this conversation as far as um, having productive meetings in our workplaces? So I'd say the the biggest follow-up, the biggest takeaway from this is that if 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 you don't have some sort of parameter that tells you objective parameter, you know, that tells you that the meeting was successful and that everyone uh, has the same parameter and follows the same parameter. If they, if, if you and your team don't have that, you're, you're, you're already behind the eight ball. You're, you're actually, mm-hmm. you're actually causing damage to your team and you don't even know it. Um, you're actually causing teammates to see their value and see their worth based off of, um, who is hogging the spotlight of the meeting, uh, what conversations and what topics get more time to speak about and and how people react to the things that they feel like is uh, of low priority. Um, you're already you're already causing damage to your team that you don't even know is taking place. And that it might be to the point that it's irre- irreversible. And the only way to fix that is that some of the team, mem- team members are going to have to move on. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 a big one that most people don't, quite understand yeah and there's is it there's a famous quote too of like if you're not setting boundaries with people they'll set them for you yeah it doesn't mean that there's not (laughs) doesn't mean that there's not boundaries it just means other people have made that decision for you about what your boundaries are and i think that that qualifies for meetings as well if you're not setting the expectation um it's going to be set no matter what and it's not probably going to be what you want (laughs) no it's not because collectively as a team we have to win individually we don't that's 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 actually counterproductive of being on a team the team wins the department wins um if you win as an individual every time that you're in your department meeting well you need to step back and ask yourself why is it because um everyone's scared of you um Mm -hmm. is it because you know that you have um, you've caused so much trauma in your team that no one really wants to speak up to you anymore at all. And so they're just there for a paycheck. 
Because trust me, if you think you're there, if you think you're winning all the time as a as an individual on that team, and everybody's listening to you, and you pick it all, it, it's not it's not because you're the super smartest and this has the most you know has the most wisdom, and you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Trust me, it's no, it's not that at all. It's actually something very dark. And you know, if uh, you ever found yourself in a moment of clarity where your team actually responded to you uh, when you asked that question as to why am I the only one. Uh, hogging this meeting or why am I the only one talking you may not have a good weekend especially if it's brought up on a Friday after uh right. after school's let out so uh that's that's gonna be the biggest takeaway for me Brittany is is there there has there has got to be some sort of a uh objective not subjective left up to the person but objective um boundaries parameters expectations or a a, a list of a, li- a guiding list that says this is how we this is how we determine success for our meetings this is what this is what we do um, and, and using something like this, it's, it's easy because we don't, we don't ever send out meeting agendas because it's created in the meeting yeah. and it's so much more effective than actually creating a, an agenda that you think is the top priority when really uh, my team didn't get a chance to speak into that. So that's, that's it, man. Just get, get with your team, expose the problem. How do we move forward? How do we do this? Let's sit down and create this. Just take this and use it. I mean, we're just just take take the five and use it. We don't we don't really care. Um, <laughs> we give it away. I'm, there's you know, people have been alive too long on this earth for, earth for someone else to not think of all this before and you know rip, rip it off of someone else. So this isn't our original stuff. So just take it and use it, right? And it's it's great. But have that in place so that you can ensure that everyone is cared for, loved, mm-hmm. heard. And productive because if not, it's it's just going to rip the team apart. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, the Reimagine Teaching Podcast is on all podcast streaming platforms. Um, there's an Instagram page as well, but it's been really hard to keep up with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. And all my other <laughs> uh to-do lists. Um, we have just a couple episodes left and then we'll be off for the summer. Um but you can always go back and listen to other podcasts. And thanks again for joining us today.